What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Well, good morning and welcome into Big Orange Sunday. Second day of January 2020. I don't know about you. I'll probably be saying 2021. Heck, I might even still be saying 2020. <laughs> the, way, the way I go sometimes. Anyway, welcome into the show. A lot to get into today. Tennessee, 48-45 to 45 loss. Music City Bowl. Purdue. And in a nutshell, very winnable game. And I would have to say that coaching, offense, and defense all subpar versus Purdue. Give Purdue credit. They were able to win. Tennessee, though, plenty of opportunities to win and, well, just simply didn't happen. And in this ball game, the deficiencies that this team had all year long, they were front and center in this game also, the last game of 2021. We had them at the start of the year, we had them throughout the year, and we had them at the end of the year. Those things we will discuss today. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, we'll discuss what went on in the bowl game a little bit, and we're also going to take a look and dissect exactly what those deficiencies were and where Tennessee needs to go going forward. Uh, we'll discuss and dissect those today on Big Orange Sunday. Let me just remind you, I want to take a kind of reiterate one thing, the way that I look at things at this on, the, on this program at the end of the year. I'm looking at it as a coach, not a fan. I'm a Tennessee fan like you are. I watch games like a fan. But afterwards, I evaluate – and look at games as a coach and as I think probably the coaches at University of Tennessee are doing and have done all year long and will do and are doing right now after this bowl game. So that's what we'll look at this show as and try to give you some information from that standpoint. Now, I stated my view on bowl games earlier a couple of times on this show, uh, especially this bowl game after a 7-5 and five regular season, season number one of Coach Josh Heupel's tenure here. Win or lose, to me, just speaking for myself, not a big deal. Going into this game and coming out of this game. Would it have been nice to win? Absolutely. But was the bowl game itself a big deal? No, not in my mind. Let me tell you what is a big deal to me, looking at it from a coaching perspective. Seven regular season wins is a big deal. Four Eastern Division wins in our division where you have to start. Is a big deal. Offense and defensive systems in place, there's no question that they are. Do they need some work? Yes, but the systems are in place. 19 high school signees to those systems, that's a big deal. An additional 15 practices of that, just qualifying for this bowl and getting into this bowl provided. Much more important to me, again, speaking strictly for myself, than a win or a loss. 11 players returning who could have left to be on this team next year. All those things are big deals, and that's the big deal right now regardless of a win or a loss in the Music City Bowl. 8-5 and five or 76 or 7-6, and six, well, the job ahead is still the same. Rebuilding this program through relentless recruiting, that's what the game is right now. You know, talent 
we we all know this, but I can tell you from 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 experience on both sides, talent makes coaches look good. Talent makes play calling look good. Talent makes defensive play calling look good. If you got talent, you know, you become a heck of a lot better coach, even though you're the same coach calling the same plays, probably in the same situations. So that's where we need to get to. Now, let me hit a, just a couple of things here that uh, the, the uh, as we as we look at it uh, today, we're on to 2022 right now. As we look at things through this show, we got eight months to continue building this program, and that's what we're going to take a look at today on Big Orange Sunday. I'm going to look at these topics as we go through it. By the way, Billy the Legend will be joining us the last part of the show just to kind of get us started a little bit on basketball. Uh, probably a uh, you know an eight or a ten minute segment, and then going forward, both on the Saturday show and the Sunday show, Bill will be with us talking. Well, on Saturday, uh, the the uh, collegiate game, and on Sunday, what Tennessee's looking at. But we we'll, we will get have Bill on here at the end of the show. As I mentioned, we got eight months now con- to to continue building this program. And what I'm going to look at today and try to get through today, if I can't get through all of it, I'll continue it next week. The player bla- uh, breakdown. Going to take a good look at the player breakdown returning on this team, where we are. We're going to look at the 21 new players that have been added to this team. Not in a great, any great detail, but the additions that will be with this team, 21 so far. That includes 19 high school and two transfers. We're going to look at the t- transfer portal needs, taking a look at the player breakdown, where we are. What do we still need from a transfer portal situation what are the needs there that this team still has can we fill them don't know but we certainly have some needs there that need to be filled through the transfer portal we're going to take a uh, a a good look at recruiting where it is for 2023 and that's what we're on right now we're not recruiting 2022 anymore we're looking at 2023 and especially the situation in the state of tennessee i think a historical situation right now and where players are coming from from within this state again i'll get into that today and then we're going to take a look at the lessons both defensively and offensively after 13 games what are the lessons that we can learn from as you know going past over the years and through the years what i try to do on this show what i try to do on the coach to coach show in particular is do what we did when I was coaching at Tennessee. Every week you have lessons from that ball game. You compile those at the end of the year, and they help you get better both defensively and offensively. And then lastly, we'll take a look at building. Here's what I want you to keep in mind. I have to keep in mind myself. This is Josh Heupel's second year, but it's his first year of recruiting. They did not sign a single player last year, neither this head coach or this staff. Not a single player was signed on this team that was not a transfer from the transfer portal. And we had, what, three, four, maybe five of those. So keeping that in mind as we go through today's show. All right, let's take a look first at the player breakdown. Let's look at who we got coming back. I'm not going to get into a, a, a great detail on this, but... As you, as you look at this, and this, again, is what this staff's looking at, let's take a look defensively and offensively the positions that we're going to be coming in. We're going to look at the offensive and defensive line first. Defensive line-wise, I'm just going to hit you the players that are returning. 
there there will be a talent upgrade on this team. We have some really good young players uh, somewhere, I don't know, 22, 23, 24 young players that I think are really good players. Some of them have an opportunity to be great players. They all have to develop, but we saw them this year. So nine of the 22 positions, starting positions, are in the lines. We'll start with those. If you have watched, and I'm sure you have, the semifinal playoff games, if you watch the two teams in this league uh, that are playing in the finals, you'll know that, that one of the things that they have, and they have a lot of things, but one of the dominant things that they have that has showed up so much or late in the year are offensive and defensive lines. Do you have to have other players? Absolutely. But in this league, in today's football, yes, it's changed in the way that we play offense, but it is still an offensive and defensive line day if line game if you want to be a contender. Tennessee's not there. Probably a little bit better off than, than we think, than I think even. But we're not there yet. That's what those two teams are. By the way, one of the things that I did want to mention uh, today, uh, you know, you look at Georgia and and, uh, and Alabama, clearly, clearly the two best teams in the country right now. And you know what? Out of all the 130-some-odd, however many teams there are in Division One football, you know there's one team that has to play those cats every year. That's the University of Tennessee. Nobody else does. Nobody else in this league has to play both Alabama and Georgia every year. Nobody. They are outstanding. They've been outstanding the last five or six years, and that's the hill, more so maybe a mountain, that the University of Tennessee football program has to climb if we're going to get back to relevance in, in, in regards to playing for a championship. Not close right now, getting better. But it is a big hill to climb. I'll probably be discussing this on future shows. You know, everybody has their opinion on what we can be and what we should be. And most of us know what we can be. But the fact of the matter is we're still a significant ways away, as are many other teams in this league, quite frankly. But we're talking about Tennessee here from getting to where Georgia and Alabama is. And you get there slowly. You get there by building, you get there by having things in place, and you get there by relentless recruiting. That is the only way we will get there. I don't anticipate the coach at Alabama or the coach at Georgia dropping back. They may come back a little bit. They're not going to come down to us. We're going to have to go up there to them, and that takes time to do it. Patience, I'm not a very patient guy. You probably aren't either. But you have to be patient, and this staff has to be patient. This head football coach has to be patient. But primarily, we have to get into where we are, in fact, relentless recruiters. Let's just take a look at it real quick. I want to look at it. Defensive ends. We're a four-man front, defensive ends, and defensive tackles. Well, defensive ends really, we have different, they have different names for it. But essentially, we got a strong side defensive end which is basically can be a defensive tackle. That's what it was most of the year. And then we have a weak side defensive end, which is a speed guy. We're in pretty darn good shape there. With Bumpus coming back, if you just look at the strong side defensive end, Bumpus and Eason there. And by the way, let me just say this about Byron Eason. Byron Eason is going to be, has has the potential to be an outstanding defensive lineman for us. Came in as a linebacker from Memphis. 
got a lot of talent progressing. The guy that coaches that position has told me very bluntly, this guy can be a really good player and a younger player that's coming along now. On the other day, we got Young and we got Barron. Harrison can play in there. You know, he's just a spot player. So we're in pretty decent position at those at at the two defensive ends position. Young guys coming along. This will be a more talented defensive tackle position than this past year. We were older. We had what four or five seniors in there. We were physical, but we weren't real talented. Thomas has shown that he has talent. He played a lot as a sophomore. Simmons back healthy can be a really good player in there. Terry is coming along. Coach Garner loves him. McNeil the same. You got Garland who provides some leadership and a little older players. And you got Bailey coming along there. So the defensive end and defensive tackle position, pretty darn good coming back. Great? No. More talent? Yes. Just need some experience in there. And, of course, we're going to see what the transfer portal brings in that area. Now, offensive line-wise, and, again, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but this show, just talking about the player break breakdown that we have coming back and then some holes that have to be filled. Listen, Mays, Spragans, Carvin inside, three good offensive linemen. I don't know about excellent, all those things. I'm not a big uh, I'm not a great evaluator offensive line, quite frankly. But Cooper Mays and Spragans and Carvin inside. Wright has proven that he can be a quality tackle. We have some good backup players in there. The one area on the offensive line without question is right tackle. Cade Mays, we know now, is going on to the pros. That's not a surprise. We don't have anybody that's played well there. Crawford needs to come along. Somebody has to come along at that right tackle position. But... We're pretty darn good in the offensive line. We were pretty good at the end of this year. Not great, but pretty darn good. Not the level of the top two teams in this league, but better. So that's not going to be a problem as I see it this year. Tight end position. For what we ask them to do, pretty darn good. We got Fanton Warren coming back there, and Campbell is coming along and shows he could play. Two older, experienced players there. On the defensive side, linebacker, there's no doubt we got one what I think is a really good linebacker. Some people don't agree with that. Well, I think he's a really good linebacker. We don't have very good one at the other position. The other linebacker position is something that I don't see him on the team right now. Maybe he is. Mitchell has the potential, but potential is potential. I would have to believe that the the other linebacker position is going to be a position that we are looking very closely at in the transfer portal. Have to believe that. Not good enough right there, and I don't know that we have anybody that is quite good enough. We've got guys that play hard, but, you know, playing hard is playing hard. That don't win games for you. Well, playing hard does win games, but you know what I'm saying. you got to have talent in those areas. Skill, skill positions, defensive backs at corner, and safety. Without question, we lost two really good football players. Theo Jackson and Alante Taylor were very fine players for us. They were good players. They were leadership. Going to miss both those guys. We got some players that are coming back there, though, if you look if you look at that position. Haddon in this ballgame, I'm going to talk a little bit about him a little bit later. Haddon showed me that he could perform. On the other side, 
and I've tried to think of a way to word this. As you know, I don't talk a whole lot about individual players because I don't think that's right. But quite frankly, number four, our right cornerback who started, what, 30 games here, is simply one of the most underperforming from a talent standpoint player I've seen in Tennessee in years. He has tremendous talent. He should be a great corner or certainly a, a really, really good corner, and he's not. He does not, and that, that's the one. If I was coaching the secondary, that would be the most frustrating thing for me. And this ball game just pointed out the deficiencies that we have at that position. Grabbing and holding. Listen, when you have, when you grab a player as a defensive back, when you grab a receiver, you're going to get that call 99 times out of 100. Now, we didn't get one call in the bowl game. That does happen, but that's that's a horse of a different color. When you don't go up and compete, you can't get shoved down to the ground when you're playing bump and run man coverage. That cannot happen. you got to be more physical than that. Anyway, I hope that he can attain the talent because he has a talent level there. He's, he has more talent than any any uh, defensive back we have on this football team. Probably talked enough about that. And again, I don't want to get into individual, but you, you, your players, you put as a coach, you put a player in a position, which they he was, he has been, but you have to be able to compete. Uh, I, I don't know, I don't know what the button you have to push on that. I can tell you this from from being on that side of it, though. The, one of the most frustrating things as a coach is to know that a player has talent, to know that he has the ability, to know that you put him in position and worked with him, and then not to get results. That's one of the challenges of coaching, quite frankly, and we all have that. And you know what? You have to win with some guys like that. You have to get them into position to do that. Hopefully that's going to happen on that. Safety position. Uh, looks like to me anyway, and and I think I think Slaughter will probably be that nickel player. Well, we got some we got some young guys there. We got some guys come along. Uh, McCullough, of course, is back. Flowers is back. That's good. McDonald, I think, uh, uh, Turnage and Charles, all those guys have, have ability there. So as you, from from those positions, Tennessee in pretty darn good shape. Wide receivers got one really good one. I'll talk a little bit later about players that need to come along, but certainly wide receiver is the position to do that. We have some talent there. I think we have some really good talent there, really good young talent, but we've had that really good talent going into the third year next year. It's time for those guys to step up, and you know what? I believe that they they probably will on that. Running back, we know what the situation is there. Uh, Small, right? we got to have a thumper. We do not have a thumper. One of the uh, deficiencies and lessons that I'll go over when we get into the lessons issue is this. How many games this year, and again, I'm looking at it as an offensive running back coach, as an offensive coordinator. How many games this year did we have short yardage starting in the, what, second game of the year, pit, right? We got short yardage in scoring position, and we can't pick up a foot, a yard. we got to find the ability to do that. You can't throw the ball every time in those situations. We need a thumper at running back, and quite frankly, I don't think he's on the team right now. But that's a position that, that, that we simply have to get better at. Quarterback, we know what our situation is there. We got Hooker, we got Milton, and we got Jackson coming as an early enrollee, but it's going to get down to Hooker and Milton. And I don't think anybody would disagree 
you know, what, what was Hooker's final stats this year that, that when it comes to t- uh, turnovers and touchdown passes? I think I'm correct on this. 31 touchdowns, three interceptions. That's, that's blown away big time. And he is a very talented, aware player. Uh, you have to believe that he's going to continue to get better coaching. Remember, and if you've listened to Coach Heupel through the season, when he, he doesn't talk a whole lot about individual players, but there's a handful of guys he talks about, and I think he would probably say this about most players on the team because he's only been there one year, that are just now learning the system, learning the way he wants them to play. Well, we got eight months to work on that. Finally, we got a punter at returns, Brooks. We got a kicker returns, McGrath, who I think was uh, uh, only missed one inside the forty yard line this year. Uh, not a great kicker, but a good kicker, an experienced kicker, six year kid. Slasky's coming back at uh, at snapper, and of course Brooks the holder. So that's kind of where we are on that situation right now. I'm going to take a uh, well. No, let me go a little bit further. Let me get the church. Uh, uh, the church uh, uh, segment through here about 25, 26 after, then I'll let the church folks go on into church. I know we got several that do that. All right, so that's kind of the player breakdown. Now, let me just hit quickly. Here's the players. I think there's 23 players on this team, at least, that need to come on now. They've been on this team a while. I want to just hit those real quickly. Wide receivers, we got Hyatt. And, you know, hey, one of the things coming out of the ball game. Made a note at, at right after the ball game. Hyatt, for the first time, made, you know, made, he made some difficult catches. Jalen Hyatt has a world of talent. He can be one of the better receivers we've had in this in this football program, but he needs to be more consistent. For one ball game, he showed that. I think he had three catches, a couple of nice catches. But Hyatt, Callaway, and Merrill, Three talented young players. Merrill, of course, a freshman, didn't have a whole lot of opportunities. They're going to get their opportunity now. Campbell, a defensive, a, a, a tight end. We got three offensive linemen for sure that need to come on. Crawford, really need him to come along. Lampley, getting better. He's been soaking down there for a couple of years. Last part of this year, played pretty darn well. Again, Best offensive line coach I was ever around at University of Tennessee. I shared an office with him for 10 years, said it many times. If you can get two good years out of an offensive lineman, red-shirted, if you can get two good years, that's, 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 that's about all you can ask for. Now, the great ones, you're going to get three or four good years out of. So some of these guys that have been down there, you've heard me use the term soaking before, just soaking up knowledge, getting stronger, getting more physical, learning the system, but better fundamentals. Well, maybe Lampley's one of those guys. Looks to me like he's moving that way. And then, of course, we got Mincy coming in with the transfer portal uh, from the transfer portal. Don't know a lot about him except he is a big, big fella. Two other running backs, Beckwith and Whitehead. Time for them to make a move. And I'm not talking about moving positions, although maybe they might. They need to come on. Uh, defensively, Slaughter, McDonald, Haddon, Turnage, Charles, Rucker, six defensive backs, younger or newer defensive backs that need to come on in spring practice. Rucker uh, got a lesson in this ball game. Belante Taylor out. Rucker, when he had to play, uh, he, he ain't ready for prime time. But again, he's a freshman on that. Defensive linemen, I mentioned them a little bit earlier, Eason and Terry 
and McNeil, Simmons, Bailey, all have talent to be good defensive linemen. And they're, again, they're going to get coached with, I can guarantee you that. And then at the linebacker position, really only see there Mitchell and Mohan. Mohan's a little underweight. Uh, he's a lot underweight, but he can fly around. So those are, those are, those are guys that need to come on. Uh, again, I'm not counting any early enrollees, any freshmen on this group. Some of them are going to come along. Haven't seen them yet. These are just players that are on the team that have been at the university that have been in big time football for at least a couple of years need to come on. And we got again, eight months for them to come on. That's 14 skill position players. That's nine line position players, both sides of the ball. That's 23 players, at least on this team with ability that really haven't done a whole lot yet because it may be behind somebody because they need to mature all of those things. And then of course, the other part of this is we know we got 13 or 14 early enrollees coming in running back and wide receiver, the two easier, nothing's easy, but the easier positions to come in and play as a freshman. We got a need at running back. We got a need at wide receiver. And it looks like this staff has signed some quality players at both of those. All right. Quick break. When we come back, we'll continue looking at where Tennessee is, where they need to get and how they're going to get there. When we come back mid 10 Ford. Hey, if you're a truck person, you're probably a Ford truck person. And if you're a Ford truck person, how many times you heard me say it? That's where I go. I drive a Ford Ranger right now. I absolutely love it. XLT, by the way. Mid-10 Ford, everything and anything that you need from a truck company, they have it at Mid-10 Ford. million dollars in parts, they can fix it, sell anything from a smallest up to the big old heavy-duty over-the-road. Everything you need, they have it at Mid-10 Ford. Check them out at Mid-10Trucks.com. All right, taking a look today, this second day of January after the year is over, there's a little song out about that, isn't it? After the dance. Anyway, 13 games, uh, evaluating, looking, looking forward primarily. Again, we got eight months before the next season gets here. Year number two of the program that is being built right now by Coach Josh Heupel. We're going to continue looking at that. Transfer portal needs. We've looked at the high school. By the way, those nice 19 high school signees, if you look at that, those, we got, what, 11 on offense, I think, uh, now this, this is including the transfer portal. Uh, Eleven on offense, uh, or, or twelve on offense, excuse me, and nine on defense. But the high school players coming in here, we got offensive linemen. It, it's a darn good mix. You know, you got to build your team. Tra- transfer portal guys are are important. Transfers are important, or even more so now. But you still have to build your team with guys that you've recruited and have watched uh, play throughout high school with high school players bringing them in. You know, letting them get better. Uh, yes, we have some needs we have to fill, but you can't, I don't believe at least, and I don't think this head football coach believes, you can't build your program relying on transfer portal players. The The best programs we're talking about out there right now only brought in a couple, and we're going to, I'm sure, continue to do that. That's one of the great advantages of the transfer portal, but you got to build with high school players. Looks to me like we've got a good start on that right now. Transfer portal needs, though. Here's what I expect we're going to get some more of. I, I, we probably can't take all of these positions. We've got to get a linebacker. I, I don't see any way, any way that they cannot bring in a transfer portal linebacker. If we don't, 
we're 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 going to be in. It's going to be a long, uh, long, long, long year next year at the linebacker position because we don't have those players there right now. Enough of them. I think cornerback is another area that if they can find one, they'll bring one in. Haddon and Turnage, pretty good, pretty good transfer guys that come in. I think Haddon's got an opportunity. I, I like what I saw from him. He played behind Alante Taylor a, a lot this year. But I tell you, he competed. He played well. That one catch they made over him in the end zone was a well-thrown great catch, but he was all over that guy. Loved the way that he competes, and maybe some of these other guys too. Got to get a power running back. Now, that is a position that a freshman can play, no doubt about that. No, we got one coming in early in Rowley, but a power running back. Now, I would suspect that defensive tackle and defensive end are two positions that certainly are going to try to be addressed through the transfer portal. We got a couple of them, three of them last year, and uh, all three of them uh, played pretty darn well for us, quite frankly. Two of the three at least did. And then maybe a speed receiver. You know, you don't ever turn down a great one, but maybe a speed receiver if he's out there. That's the transfer portal. Four more, five more, somewhere in that area, I would guess. I think we're pretty much through with high school for 2022, the 2022 class. Pretty much through them, although, again, if there's one out there they really like, I'm sure they're going to take him. All right, let me just hit the recruiting situation here. You know, uh, I am a firm believer. Go back through the history of this of this great program, uh, all the way back to Neyland. You've got to be able to recruit the state of Tennessee. We all know that. But let me tell you what, I, 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 t- I took a little time this past week and just look at where we have players. I think there, it's a situation. I don't think this has ever happened at the University of Tennessee before a football program. I, you know, I, I didn't go back over every year, but I, I know in the last uh, 40 years it hasn't happened. Do you know that right now we have more players on this football team, scholarship football players from the Memphis area than we do from the Middle Tennessee area? We got more players from the Memphis area than we do the Knoxville and East Tennessee area. Think about that. I don't believe that's ever happened before. I can tell you the 10 years I was at at the University of Tennessee, we had maybe two or three players total on the team from the Memphis area. It just wasn't an area either we didn't recruit it well, which I know wasn't true because Kippy Brown was recruiting. Just weren't that many guys down there. You know, right now, going into next year, we got six players, and all dang near all of them are going to be starters for us. We got six players in Memphis. Again, I don't think I don't think I know. Going back forty years, we've never had that many quality players. Not even close from Memphis. Banks, top player. Thomas becoming a top player. Eason, outstanding talent, a comer. McDonald. Going to be a good player for us back at that one of those safety positions. Small already is starting. Carvin. And then, of course, we got a guy coming in 2022, the Williams kid. So we're going to have seven players on this team from Memphis. We only have five from Nashville. We only have five from the Nashville, Middle Tennessee area. Merrill, Lampley, Simmons, Fant, Parker. We got the Herring kid coming in. And then from Knoxville, we only have three players on this football team next year. I'm not talking about on what this year. We got Barron, we got Mays, and we got Lane. So it's darn clear, and I know it's clear to this head football coach. Until we get the recruiting better 
And again, this isn't a knock on this staff. This staff had no opportunity to recruit this state. They couldn't even get out on the road and meet coaches until November this year. But going forward, if we don't get – you've heard me say this before, and I'm going to reiterate. If we don't get Middle Tennessee under control, can you still do it? Yeah, you can still do it. But, boy, it's going to be a heck of a lot difficult. If you really look at it and you go back and look, and I have, at the recruiting, here's what Tennessee, when they've been good, normally has to be. We have to have about eight players or so per year in a recruiting class, eight, nine players from the state of Tennessee. And then we also have to have about the same number from the state of Georgia. Almost all of our good teams, certainly in the last 30 or 40 years, have had that type of breakdown. Great players from Georgia, you can name them like I can. Great players from Tennessee, you can name them like I can. And then, you know, cherry-pick the other states. That's 16 of your 25 players, 17, 18 of your 25 players. Then you can go out and pick, and that's one thing Coach Fulmer did such a good job of. When I was able to go to New Jersey, get a player, go to California, get a player, go to Texas, get a player, go to Mobile, Alabama, get a quarterback. But you make your bones, so to speak, at this program, in this particular, uh, in the state of Tennessee, by Tennessee players, Georgia players, and then filling in around them. So that's, that, that's where recruiting is right now. Knoxville, Nashville, Memphis. Got to hit those, and of course, I'm talking about the, the the surrounding areas. It is vital and it is critical for this program to move forward. And the way it is now, and it has changed over the years, you must be able to get at least your share of the best players in Middle Tennessee. Just think about this year recruiting. We were a top 15 recruiting class by 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 almost anybody's talk, uh, anybody's. Uh, judgment of any of these scouting services, which are pretty darn good, by the way. If we just sign three or four players of the better players from Middle Tennessee, we're a clear top ten. Coach Heupel knows it. That's one of the reasons he wanted to come to Nashville for to play a bowl game, and I believe that he will get that corrected. All right. Uh, let me hit quickly here, and then uh, I'm gonna I want to get to to Bill Justice. Let me let me hit hit quickly here. I want to hit the. Uh, the uh, the lessons, the thirteen game lessons from this from this uh, from this year. I'm going to start with defense. All right, this is the and what are lessons? Lessons are when coaches sit down and look back. They do it game by game, but at the end of the year, this defensive and offensive staff will sit back and they'll look. Okay, what are the lessons? Where do we need to get better? What do we, what do we do well? What do we need to what what do we need to change? What do we need to add? But just here's some defensive. Lessons and and the, these all have to do with the defensive scheme. Quite frankly, we got to find a way to defend a running mobile quarterback. What we are doing right now is not working. The games that we lost this year and some that were close, the where we got hurt the most on the defensive side of the ball was a mobile quarterback. Ole Miss, Alabama, even Georgia in some instances. We got hurt in those those ball games. Kentucky won that ball game, but we got to, got to find a way. And the system we're doing right now is not working because in many of those instances we weren't even close to getting that quarterback. And my, and primarily they were in the passing game coming out of there. But you know what? Other teams have to defend that too. 
There's some pass rushing techniques I think that need to probably be looked at and changed. Our style of pass rushing is to have four guys going 120 mile an hour if they can. <laughs> well, we get out of our lane sometimes. We work too far upfield sometimes. Now, again, that's by design, and I'm I'm not saying that should change, but you got to look at it. We got to get better at that because we're going to be facing mobile quarterbacks in the future. And we better find a way to better defend them. We got we got eaten alive by running mobile quarterbacks in key situations. One of the big big problems with with us uh, on third downs, and particularly third down situations where we were not very good at this year on defense, was a running quarterback. Uh, we got to fix uh, we got to fix re- re- the responsibilities when we pressure and blitz. We had too many times where we had players out of gaps. You got a player. You, know, you got basically seven gaps, run gaps, uh, on on from a defensive uh, offensive line. You got you know outside you, you got two guards, two tackles, two outside. You got to have a player in every gap. We had too many times. Not not when we played our base defense, we were pretty darn good. But when we started blitzing, bringing players to put pressure on pass rush, we got out of position too too many times. Our contain and our force. Who's supposed to keep the quarterback in the pocket? Who supports coming off the? Who who has the outside contain turning everything in? Too many times we had too many players that were not doing their responsibility. That's that's key, and that has to be worked on. Uh, it, we busted this way too many times. I think one of the things that Coach Banks is going to have to look at. And let me just say this: I you know, it, hey, I coached the position he's coaching as a secondary coach and also as a defense coordinator. Uh, and, and I know what he's going through on this. He's a first time defensive coordinator, but I, one of the things I think we have to look at, we play a lot of press man coverage. Do we have the players to play that against the good football teams, the cornerbacks out there? Do we have the players to do that? Uh, size, talent, athletic ability. Do we have those players out there right now? Don't know. That's the decision he has to make. But just a couple of things. Here's here's some pluses that I like on this side. Remember this. I just mentioned Coach Banks. This is second year's defense coordinator. All right, he's learning. Also, I like his scheme. We attack. We get after folks. I thought with the talent that he had overall, and there's some areas. Listen, we're 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 way, way undermanned at the linebacker position. If I was coaching linebackers. I'd I'd be gray headed, well I am gray headed, but I'd have been gray headed back then. We're not very good at linebacker. I think we got one really good player. I'd love to be able to coach Jeremy Banks. Jeremy Banks is one of those guys that you don't have to say giddy up to. You have to say whoa to. Those are guys I I'd rather have to pat them on the head instead of kicking them in the rear end to get them moving. But that's about it. Quite frankly, we're playing with good guys. Pretty good players, but pretty good don't win in this league. This is also the second year that this staff has worked together. Think about that. None of these guys have coached together. Our five defensive banks, Garner, Jean-Marie, Willie Martinez, Eckler. None of these guys coached together before this year. They came in, what, in January? By the time they got to working together in, you know, March? All right, they've never worked together. We're going to get better in those areas. I'm not one who doesn't think that we do not have good quality coaches. You know, there's some out there. Uh, I think you can always 
I go back to when I was coaching, all right? Young coaches, newer coaches, the offensive staff that we had that eventually became an outstanding offensive staff, the first couple of years we were together, we were kind of feeling our way a little bit. Bottom line is this. If this staff sticks together, I hope it does, I think we're going to be – I think we got a good staff. I think we may have a really good staff. You can't judge it on just one year, and again, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Just real quickly on the offense part of it, uh, not a whole lot there. This and the system's in place. You know, uh, we've uh, uh, we got to recruit to it, uh, but we got a head coach. And here's the other part of it. You know, the head coach, the quarterback coach, the offensive line, the offensive coordinator all have been together and worked this system. They know each other. Completely opposite on defense. Wide receiver guys knew. All right, kind of out of time here. I'm going to continue building on this. But bottom line is lessons tell you where to go. They give you a roadmap. Now, this staff, once they get back from a a short break, national convention, got eight months to develop this team. And we got got some good pieces in place and some good pieces coming in. More of that in the future. Right. Uh, Double Dogs Restaurant. Hey, if you're a uh, uh, if you if you like great food, if you like a place you can take your whole family, and for this show in particular, if you like going to a place that's run, staffed, and owned by Tennessee folks, well, that Double Dogs is a place for you. Three locations up in Gallatin. By the way, the 22nd of January, I'll be up there doing a live Saturday show at Double Dogs and Wilson Bank. They're both in the same uh, shopping uh, strip mall. Shopping, I guess you'd call them a strip mall. Uh, up up uh, up in Gallatin. Anyway, more about that. But Gallatin, uh, Hillsborough Village, and overall Charlotte Pike near downtown, those are the Double Dogs uh, restaurants. Those are the locations that you can go to. Again, great fun, great food, great folks. Double Dogs Restaurant. All right, welcome back in. I think Bill Justice is with us now. Billy, how are you? Doing fine, Coach. How are you? I'm doing well. I just need to figure right. out that when I need my headsets on and when I don't here in the studio. Hey, let's get right to it, though. we got about uh, eight or nine minutes here. Uh, again, uh, if you uh, didn't hear it earlier, Bill, starting next week, will be on with his regular full segment, both Saturday and Sunday. Bill, I'm just going to let you kind of handle it here the next six, seven, eight minutes. Tell us where we are, where we're headed, and uh, what you're seeing so far from uh, Big Orange Basketball. Well, let me tell you, here's one of the things we're going to do this year. Just as we have our popular award show to finish the year. This year, let's introduce a transition show as we move from football to basketball because there's some carryover there that I do want to cover. So beginning next week, we will transition a little, maybe just one program as we swing uh, football and then go into basketball because there are some things I think that fit in very nicely there. So I think it'll be something our listeners enjoy. I think it's going to be a good year for Tennessee basketball. We've always looked at the SEC, Coach, as a football conference, and now we're looking at a at a basketball conference with four, five, six teams ranked all in the top 20. Auburn at 11, Tennessee 14, LSU 16. Kentucky is 18, but believe me, they're better than this. Uh, I expect that by, by the time we get into late January, they've got a mixture this year of experienced players and uh, players that are new. So I think they're going to be a lot better than 18. Tough conference this year. Tennessee's got their work cut out for them. Uh, they, they go this week and start open with the full conference schedule. Uh, Wednesday, Ole Miss. Saturday, 
at LSU, ranked number 16, back in town the next Tuesday for South Carolina, and then on the 15th at Kentucky. That's going to be a tough one. Bill, nutshell, looking at it, again, we're going to get into this much, much more as we go through the season. Just kind of talk about where, where you see the team right now. Additions, uh, we talked a little bit about that. You were on not too long, uh, for a, just a short segment a little bit earlier. Where are you seeing the team right now? And let's let's kind of kind of walk us through the difference in preseason and then when you're getting ready for it, now going into the conference schedule, how things change with a basketball program and a basketball team at that stage. Well, the, the schedules change uh, enormously, Coach, because a lot of times, just as it's done, sometimes done in football, the preseason out-of-conference games for Tennessee are, are historically a little bit easier, and they have a lot of home games, although this year they had tough games on the road at, at, uh, in, in the conference, in the tournaments that they played in. Uh, but this is a this is a fan base this year. Really, really excited. I'm still in touch with a lot of people there, and uh, the expectations are great. They have a good, experienced group of players. We talked about this last time that has come back and is playing, and then they have a great new group, uh, which includes Kennedy Chandler, rated the number one point guard in the in this class this year. He's going to be a, a a real, real important guy. He allows some of Tennessee's off-ball players to be better, especially uh, Santiago Vescovi. And I think uh, Josiah Jordan-James now can get off-ball and just be shooters like they need to be, and he can get the ball to them. Bill, football not so much. Used to be used to be home field advantage was big in football. Really not. Not 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 this day and time. But boy, basketball it, it still is and it really is in this league. Now you go on the road and it'll be the same when, when folks come to Tennessee. It it is uh, road wins I would think are gonna be at a premium this year. They will be, not just because of the tough competition. The other thing is this, coach, when you go into a foreign gym. The background is different. It's not like you're shooting on your home floor. In, in football, you got 100 yards. you got a lot of separation. It all looks the same. Now, the crowd reaction is different. But in basketball, you got the crowd. If you're playing at a, on the road, you've got the crowd against you. You also have a basket with a background you're not used to. Uh, the lighting is a little different. It's really hard to get used to shooting on the basketball goals when you're on the road. So that's why a lot of times your shooting percentage goes way down. Even though you do get to sh- have a shoot around, that only you get one time a year you get to shoot in that gym, and that's maybe for you know an hour and a half or so the day before, a little bit of shoot around that morning and then the game. So it's tough to go on the road and be able to make baskets. Bill, uh, from what you've seen so far, kind of kind of grade, give us a little idea of uh, of, of of where you see the league going into to conference schedule time. Tough league this year, Coach. I think, like we said, it's been football in the past. Now, with six teams in the in the top twenty, uh, there's not going to be too many games that are going to be easy to play. And again, especially on the road, I do think that Tennessee is uh, is set to have a good season. They've got a good mix of experienced players and then new players coming in that will get better as as the year goes on. So a lot to be excited about, and believe me, I can tell you they are up in Knoxville. They're ready to swing in there and get this done. They had a good football season, although didn't end the way they would like it to, and the transition into basketball I think is going to be something that's going to be exciting. I'm going to go off what you have been talking about. Really, been talking about this the last maybe two, maybe even three years. The fact that Tennessee uh, has had to play. Uh, a point guard, uh, players who are better. You 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 mentioned Vescovi uh, being one of those off guard. 
had they had they had they had to be on the point instead of uh, as an off guard a shooting guard. Uh, that is the one area that I I know from talking to you. You expect to be significantly better because of Chandler, and they got they got another addition in there also, right? Yeah, they do. But let me tell you the difference that that it makes. Here's what a point guard does. You can see two things happen when you have a real, true, good point guard. Number one is your shooting percentage goes up, and it does because he's able to get the ball to his teammates where they are best positioned to score. Secondly, he's also a person that can shoot the ball well from the three-point line, so the assist-to-turnover ratio becomes terrific, a much better assist-to-turnover ratio, and a higher shooting percentage, particularly for guys where they are most accustomed and most, most you know, comfortable in shooting the basketball. John Fulkerson is a good example. He's a great over-the-shoulder left-hander. If you get the ball to him low on the right-hand side of the goal and he can come across with the lefty over-the-shoulder, he is a weapon that will be used. He's going to be a great... Great leader this year, coming back for his sixth year, making great contributions up in the Knoxville area, and so this he he's got he gives them the leadership that they need, and the other players will fall in behind them. So I, I think it's a year that Tennessee is going to be uh, is going to be very good. Bill, looking forward to it. I know the fans are also. Also, you know, Bill mentioned a couple of things. You're going to change. We're going to change it. He's going to change up this year. This is his. Uh, this is his show. With at, at this point, uh, also going to get into maybe some off the court stuff. Some interesting things that uh, history and things that have happened as we go through the show today. And nobody better to talk to about than Bill Justice. Billy, Doug, Doug we're going. To, let me tell you this to the through our listeners. Don't miss because we've got some really great things coming up that involve basketball, the transition with football, with famous names, and we're going to be talking about some people that are Hall of Famers on both sides, football and basketball. Looking forward to it, my friend. Talk to you next Saturday, but also next Sunday on Big Orange Sunday. Thank you, Coach. Folks, that does it for another show. Thanks so much for being part of today. Again, we're going to continue. I'm going to continue looking at this program, where it is, where it's headed, how we're going to get there, and what this head football coach and this staff are doing to get us there. Relentless recruiting. You're probably going to get – probably already are sick of hearing that. Relentless recruiting is the area that we're in right now. Thanks, Ryan Albanese, for producing. We'll see you next Sunday right here for Big Orange Sunday, brought to you by Wilson Bank and Trust. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. If you sacrifice your dream for the sake of satisfying someone else, that can often lead to ongoing resentment, which then poisons a relationship subtly, slowly, but it does. And if he doesn't want to let you down, then your dreams matter. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.